I realized uh, in my example in the sermon that uh, this movie that I mentioned came out like way over 20, like 20 years ago or something. I was like, oh, shoot. All right, but at the end of the movie Braveheart, okay, at the end of the movie Braveheart, uh, William Wallace, who's being played by Mel Gibson, uh, who, uh, William Wallace is Scottish, and he has been wanting his Scots people to be freed uh, under the oppression of the English and so he has been fighting against England, uh, wanting the Scots to uh, get their freedom. Well, he is eventually captured, and he is sent to be tortured and executed. And uh, William Wallace is receiving this excruciating torture, and fun fact, uh, they actually mellowed it down quite a bit from what actually happened to William Wallace uh, in the movie. So it was actually way worse. So as uh, William Wallace is being tortured, uh, the people who are English, who are in the crowd, the common folks, begin yelling, mercy, mercy. And they keep pleading for the executioner, mercy. They keep telling William Wallace, plead for mercy, get a quick uh, beheading, you know, so that you can die, you're just suffering too much. And so the executioner calms down everybody in the crowd, and uh, he says, you know, the prisoner wishes to speak. And with his very last amount of energy, his, his almost his last breaths, he just, he yells out, freedom! You know, and every, I would start crying and everything, and that's the very thing he wanted for his people was freedom. And Jesus, dying on the cross, yells out it is finished what an amazing illustration and i cry every time during the good friday service or monday thursday service when we're talking about when jesus was arrested and it's like man jeremy you cry at everything is there anything you don't cry about yeah the sermon all right so here we go this weekend a lot of us are commemorating or celebrating our nation's independence from england hey what's up with england you know we're always trying to get you know from underneath the crown right but 1776 we finally declared our independence uh from england and declaration of independence constitution bill of rights all those kinds of things uh happen we're like we're going to be free here in this country and many battles were fought uh, to keep that freedom, and many more bloody battles would be fought to ensure that we would be a sovereign nation and to continue to have our freedom as well. It's within this freedom that I want to talk about uh, the freedom that we receive in Christ as kind of a, a comparison this morning. And I'll be honest, uh, this morning, and I think for many of us who are living in these great plain state, people who live in the Midwest that typically have more conservative values, it is typically uh, difficult to separate our Christian faith with our uh, love of country or, or, or nationalistic attitudes or patriotism. Sometimes our, our Christian values and beliefs are intertwined with uh, our love of country, right? You know, to be a good Christian in this country kind of means that you have to be a good citizen as well. You know what I'm talking about? They're kind of, in, they're kind of intertwined. I've been a part of discussions uh, in churches that I've been a part of to whether or not we should have the uh, American flag uh, displayed in the sanctuary or have an American flag flying outside of the building because, hey, is this, are, what kind of message are, are we sending here if we're having uh, this out here? 
Well, as someone who has served in the United States Army for 19 years and is about to go on his third year-long separation from his family in October, uh, someone who has committed his life for lifelong service to Jesus Christ as an ordained minister in the Evangelical Covenant Church, I feel like I have the right and responsibility and the ability to talk about these two opposing views or uh, combined views as well. The reason why we are here worshiping this morning— the reason why you are getting to sit here this morning is because of your First Amendment right in the Constitution. The fact that I get to serve as an Army chaplain in the United States Army is because of the First Amendment right to the Constitution. The First Amendment says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. No doubt you have been watching the news. No doubt you have been watching or tuning into social media. And almost every outlet is talking about what freedoms do we currently have in this country to be able to do something as well as rights to not do something. Well, these first ten amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and in the Constitution at large, does not use the word citizen. It uses the people, or we the people of, or the people of, to describe who is living here in this country, and the particular rights of, that are guaranteed to all people living in this country. To assemble, to have freedom of religion, and, and, and so on. Some of the First Amendment rights that are covered uh, within our Constitution that have gone to the Supreme Court, that have ruled to say, that, hey, your First Amendment rights dictate that you, in fact, have the freedom not to speak. Okay? You have the freedom not to speak. You also have the freedom not to salute the flag. You have the right, students to wear black armbands on your arm to protest the war. That you're, uh, you don't shed your constitutional rights when you enter in the school building. Uh, you are allowed to use certain objectionable, or, uh, objectionable language or phrases to convey political uh, messages. You have the right to provide money to poli uh, particular political campaigns. And you have the right to engage in symbolic speech like burning the flag. Those are all court cases that have been decided by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has also decided that your First Amendment rights do not cover to your ability to incite uh, actions that would harm others. You can't yell fire in a movie theater or something like that where people are gathered to incite uh, harm to others. You also can't use uh, your First Amendment right to distribute obscene material. And I don't know how we haven't re-looked at that one, because there's a lot of obscene material uh, floating around, but you know, maybe I don't know what the definition of obscene means. Okay, You don't have the right to burn your draft cards as a protest to war. We don't have draft cards right now, but if you ever do, if we ever get to that point, hopefully we never do, and you burn it, okay, your First Amendment right does not cover that. Also, you students, uh, you do not have the right to print uh, objectionable or uh, articles of the school newspaper uh, with objections to the administration. And students, you also don't have the ability to use 
um, obscene speech at school-sponsored events. If you'd like to know the content of where I got all these uh, from, it's from uh, uscourts.gov. So I can share that website with you if you want. But everybody living here in the United States, these are our constitutional rights. Christians living in this country, these are your constitutional rights. Non-Christians living in this country, these are your constitutional rights. Now, has this always been the case? Have all of these laws and uh, rights been given to us equally throughout our history? Well, of course not. Women weren't allowed to vote in elections until the early 1900s. Um, blacks were not allowed to even be counted as a full person. They were counted as a third of a person to vote. Native Americans or First Nations people weren't even allowed to vote in the country in which uh, they inhabited. And, but as we have continued to move further and further along in our country's history, we've tried to uh, right the wrongs and make sure that these rights are afforded to all people. But we haven't always got it right. Now here's the million-dollar question this morning. For one million dollars, do Christians have freedom of speech in our country? The answer is no, you do not. But you don't have the freedom of speech in this country for probably a different reason than when you were thinking. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15 verse 11, It is not what goes into a man's mouth that makes his mind and his heart sinful. It is what comes out of a man's mouth that makes him sinful. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but, a har but hard words stir up anger. And again in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 4, gentle words bring life and health, and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. People living in the United States of America have essentially the freedom to say whatever it is they want. I could go down walking the street uh, all day long, throwing out racial slurs all day long, and I am perfectly within my right to do so. Now, should I do that? Would I do that? Absolutely, I would not do that. But in this country, we have the freedom to do those things. We have the freedom, I have the freedom to be rude to people or uh, express my displeasure in service of particular uh, food or whatever else and get angry uh, as long as I am not, uh, uh, what is it, saying that I'm going to hurt you or harm you or things like that. You know, I can, I can say those things. It doesn't mean that I should say those things. The fact that we are here worshiping this morning freely means that we are exercising our freedom. The fact that people are at home watching us online, they're exercising their freedom. The fact that our live stream is not being censored means that we are exercising our freedom. The fact that people are still asleep in their beds in McPherson right now, they are exercising their freedom. We are not forcing people to show up here on Sunday mornings. As much as we would like them to be here, we're not forcing people to be here. Hopefully I've set the stage now so that we can talk about our freedom, not just within this country, but how we practice our faith and freedom in Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at some particular scripture passages. The first one found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says later on in verse 36, So if the Son makes you free, you are freed indeed. We see in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 13, verses 38 through 39, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. One of the signs of being a Christian, one of the signs of being a follower of Christ, a true disciple, is that at some point you are going to experience freedom. There's going to be a sense of freedom that you will experience. Maybe this freedom comes all at once. Maybe this freedom is experienced in a stage or a process. But if you are 10, 15 years down the road and your life looks completely the same as it did when you first made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ and no visible change has happened in your life, then I would question whether or not you had a sincerity among your commitment to follow Christ in the first place. And I encourage you to, to really explore that. Our freedom means a few things. The first is that it means that we are free. We are free from what has kept us entangled or in chains in the past. Maybe it was habits. Maybe it was particular behaviors that were keeping us from pleasing God. Perhaps uh, it means that we are no longer a slave to sin, and the things that are sinful that we had such a desire for becomes displeasurable to us now. But the pleasing of God becomes all the much more pleasurable that we are getting to please God, and though that's our heart changing. And again, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect at it. It doesn't mean that we won't have setbacks. It doesn't mean that uh, we don't go back to our past. It just means that our trajectory is still towards the things of God, and we need to be aware of those. You see, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. And as followers of Christ, we are obligated to other people as a witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus warns us not to be a stumbling block for anyone, and we must not abuse our freedom in Christ to harm others or exclude others or cause them to fall. As Christians, we are free to drink coffee, to sip tea, to dance, to laugh, to have a drink, you know, and enjoy life. But we're allowed to do those things because we are free to do so without sin. Now, some of you just heard that list and you're like, whoa, 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 time out here. You said, you said sipping tea? No. Okay. You said have a drink? You said uh, dance? You said to laugh? Wait, hey, 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 
that's, that's, a little, that's a little too much for me, okay? And it's because it's a little too much for you that other Christians around you need to be sensitive, okay? I would not go around knocking on someone's door with a beer and a, and a you know, whatever, and be like, hey, freedom in Christ, let's all drink and listen to this loud music and dance. I wouldn't go to some people's houses and our congregation to do that because they'd be completely offended by that. I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway. I'm just giving you a... A really bad example. All right. Additionally, in our freedom in Christ, we have the right to be free and not to worry about how our behavior affects how God thinks of us or his attitude towards us. You see, the freedom in Christ, his relationship and his love for us never changes based on what we do. But it's Love and his acceptance of us is because of what Christ has already accomplished on the cross. He has already set us free, and so it no longer counts on our work or what we can do to please God, because God's pleasure is always dependent on him and by what he has already done. The Apostle Paul continues this discussion in Romans chapter 14, verses 21 through 22. Paul says, It is not good to eat meat, or to drink wine, or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, the faith which you have, have your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself by what he approves. And then he later on says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. You see, Paul is always thinking of others. He has the freedom to do certain things, but he is thinking about how his actions will affect others around him. In the United States, our rights that are guaranteed under the Constitution are self-centric. What do I mean by that? Self-centric, these rights, they are opposed on what I receive, what are my liberties, what are my rights. It's all about me, what I get, what I have. When we look at the Bible and we look at the commands of Jesus, we see that how he is asking, uh, asking us to act is not just his relationship with us and our relationship with him. It's how our actions affect other people. It is others-centric. Whereas our constitutional rights are focused on us, our biblical laws and mandates are focused on other people. As followers of Christ, we are not only under Christ's authority as individuals, we are His representatives. In fact, we are Christ's ambassadors, as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us. So how are we doing with that lately as ambassadors of Christ? How are you doing with that this morning? How have you been doing with that over the past five months? How have you been dealing with that over the past three weeks? It's so easy to point out the splinter in somebody else's eye without recognizing the plank in our own eyes. I've said this before on Sunday mornings. I am the most selfish person that I know. And you can ask my wife. I am the most selfish person I know. But over the past four or five months, I have been focusing more on my individual liberties in my country versus what are my liberties under Christ. 
I've not humbled myself before the Lord, and sometimes my pride has clouded my particular opinions. But over the past few months and the past few weeks, I have been able to look at my attitudes and look at my perspectives, and I've seen areas that I've needed to grow, things that God has pointed out to me and saying, Jeremy, you should really kind of change your attitude on some of these issues. And I have been challenged. And if over the past four or five months or the past two or three weeks, if your opinion or your ideas have not shifted just slightly in being aware of something that you were not aware of before, I will say you have missed a great opportunity. But it's not too late. The issues that we're dealing with in this country are not going to go away. And so you're going to have plenty of time to deal with them. But you have to take the opportunity to deal with them. Entering into difficult conversations is hard. That's why they're called difficult conversations. It is so much easier to hang out with people whom you agree with. That's why we have little cliques and little pockets of friends that we hang out with because we all think the same, we all talk the same, we all look the same, we all eat the same foods. And it's easier to do life when we're around people like that. It is so much more difficult to be around people who have differing opinions, different ways of thinking about God, different ways about thinking how to live out that relationship with God, different ideas on how we interact in this world. It's difficult. It's hard. And sometimes it's easy for us to just walk away or fold our arms and just say, I'm tired and I don't want to deal with this anymore. But we are obligated as Christ's ambassadors to this world not to have that attitude. We have to continue engaging even when we don't want to. That is our right in Christ. We have the right to do those things. We are obligated to do those things. We look at the Constitution and we can say, yes, this was founded on Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian values, and we can see throughout our rights, we can say, yeah, that, that is definitely founded within some biblical truths. Those are biblical truths, but the Constitution, Bill of Rights, is not the Word of God. It's not the Bible. There are truisms in the Constitution that we hold as self-evident, okay? But it is not God's Word. And as a Christian, I desire our government to be ruled with morals, Christian morals. I think that our leaders should hold on to those particular values of which the things that I value. Hopefully you do too. But there's a reason why our government, when they were founding it and creating the Constitution, why they did not want a theocracy. That means a rule by God's laws. They wanted a democratic republic because they realized that forcing people to do God is going to impinge on their freedom and they're really not free to come to Christ or free to worship in any particular way. And so they wanted to say, hey, we need to, we need to allow the freedom for this to take place uh, organically and not impose it on other people. I'm sure some of you growing up, if your parents said, you're going to do this. You're like, oh, okay, I'll follow along with this. No problem. No questions asked, right? It makes you probably want to rebel a little bit. Oh, you're going to tell me I can't do this? Oh, oh, well, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So you tell me I, uh, I have to do this? Oh, I, I'm going to show you that I'm not going to have to do that. None of you have probably ever experienced that before. I love this country, 
Maybe you love this country too, and I'm glad you do, and you can continue loving this country. You want to fly a flag outside your house? Great. I will too. Are you frustrated with, go- with, with what's going on in our government institution as an institution at whole? Yes, hopefully some of you have had some issues with how particular things have been handled. That's okay. I do too. And we have the freedom to come together as Christians to petition our government for grievances as well. And we have the freedom in Christ to also proclaim the truth and to be ambassadors of love and grace to others around us. So as Christians, we can commit to continue being the light of this world, to love mercy, to do justice, to be the hands and feet of Christ. But we can do it together, and we are better together when we can do it. I want to close with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 through 24, and in verses 31 through 33, the Apostle Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. As citizens of Christ living in the United States, which citizenship have you been elevated more lately? Which ones have we been elevating lately? When difficulties arise, when opposition comes our way, when danger is inevitable, when our livelihoods are threatened, will we move closer to the banner of Christ or we move closer to the banner of another? If you haven't been tested in this lately, you will be tested soon enough. Decisions are going to be made that are going to affect everyone. And will we choose to move in and trust the one whom we know our freedom is guaranteed? Or are we going to move towards a system of freedom which we know could be taken away? One of the great ways that we get to experience and express our freedom in Christ is getting to come to the table. We get to come here and share and experience Uh, the love that Christ has given to each and every one of us in the very visible and physical form of the sacrament of communion. We are grateful that God has revealed himself and he shares of himself in this way. And so as we move into the words of institution, I want to first give you some instruction because these things are very complicated. The very top, there's like a peel, and then there's another peel. You want to take the little tiny peel, and you're, gonna, you're just going to take that top off, and then you have your wafer in there, okay? And then you can hold off and then tear the other tab off for the juice, all right? So you can get that ready, and if you're at home and you've got that with you, or crackers or bread... Um, and juice at home, feel free to use those as well. On the night on which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it, 
And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus Christ, as you have so freely given yourself to us, we now give ourselves to you. Some of us have struggled. Some of us do not feel whole. And yet, God, you are still the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We come here proclaiming your goodness this morning, and we confess that we have fallen short day in and day out. We have not exercised our freedom in you, and sometimes we have kept ourselves enslaved by the things that have kept us from experiencing you. So God, in this time, we just humbly submit ourselves to you, and we ask that you would take this common bread and this common juice, that it may strengthen us, both physically and spiritually, so that we may be continued ambassadors in this world, proclaiming your goodness and being a light to this world who so desperately needs to hear the good news. Amen. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. This cup is the new covenant in the blood of Christ. You may drink of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your many blessings to each one of us through your death and resurrection. We thank you that you're here with us, whether we're at home, watching online, or whether we're worshiping together at church, we are one in your spirit. And we pray, God, for your blessings to continue to Shower, be showered upon us but Lord we want to bless you as well as your ambassadors we have been set free to offer this message of freedom to those who are in bondage Lord give us opportunities and experiences each day of the week Lord that we may represent you as people set free by your spirit in Christ's name Amen